Welcome to the Hotel Analyst podcast. Arranged this week around the desk of Insight are Andrew Sankster, the editorial director, Catherine Doggrell, who writes the Hotel Analyst Perspectives, and me, Chris Bound, the web editor at Hotel Analyst. The three topics we're covering this week are Whitbread, what Ryanair's up to online, and Marriott's latest loyalty changes. And I think we're going to kick off with Whitbread. And Catherine, you have been listening in detail to some, some results they've had out recently. I have. They have had some results out recently. And um, things are not looking so super awesome in the UK. Uh, you'll be shocked to learn. Um, and they're looking forward to a not particularly chipper time. They're also seeing some delay in there. Look quick over here. Germany's going really well. Plan, which they put together because uh, things are going slightly slower than they'd anticipated over there. You'll remember they did a big deal with Foremost and some of those hotels have to um, come over to their brand. They're in the middle of contracts with, um, I think, Holiday Inn or Holiday Inn Express. And um, those have to run their course, of course. So, yes, on the one hand, last year, very exciting for Premier Inn, managed to, or very exciting for Whitbread managed to sell off Costa and made loads and loads and loads of money and we were anticipating that loads and loads of this money would go into expanding Premier Inn. What they're hoping and something which Easy Hotel who also released some results last week are hoping is that they can take advantage of the much pressed independent sector and scoop up some Premier Inns which will see them through. They regretted not doing this last time we had a downturn so now they want to do it this time. Um, there's a, a slight nuance between the way that Easy Hotel are planning on doing it and the way that Premier Inn are planning on doing it. Premier Inn are looking to the pressed independence, whereas Easy Hotel are looking to the much pressed High Street, um, where they're anticipating putting in hotels and where they have indeed done so so far. So I guess it's a kind of a battle to see which is going to be most pressed. I think that the High Street plan is um, has definite legs at this point. Um, Premier Inn are planning on being limber because they've got a lot of money. Easy Hotel can be limber because they can fit into a lot of different sites. So we shall see how that goes. And interestingly, uh, Travelodge have just uh, an announced funding for a scheme in a high street in uh, Hampshire. Oh, yes. Well, there you go. You see, it's all about what's going to fit into the high street. And of course, um, the uh, local councils are very eager not to have empty high streets. So something to bear in mind. Um, and we all saw the news with Patisserie Valerie, um, Paper Chase next up on the block at the moment. So there are places and they're nice, high profile high street places to be had. So hmm. it, it, it's interesting. I, I think this whole piece about the hospitality riding to the rescue of the high street. We've, we've I've seen it in the past. Um, um, Notably, I remember uh, in Birmingham um, the renovation and and regeneration that's gone on there was driven by some upscale um, F&B concepts coming in um, around Brindley Place and places like that. Um, and you can find numerous examples of that throughout the UK and elsewhere in the world. But um, I want to get back onto Whitbread, and I think they've got a huge strategic opportunity and challenge here. So they have been faffing around with international expansion um, for the last couple of decades, ever since Premier Inn um, started gaining traction, and they've grown it and they overtook uh, Travel Lodge to become the UK's number one hotel brand. They've got something like 40% of the budget economy hotel space in the UK in terms of the branded marketplace. Um, and the big challenge now is to try and do something similar elsewhere. And I think they have alighted on Germany, and I think that's a clever area to focus on. Um, so some numbers which come out, um, Morgan Stanley were looking at some Haworth reports, and what um, the analysts at Morgan Stanley came across were um, the fact that um, 
if you look at the top 10 hotel brands in the mid-scale and the economy segments, they account for 200,000 rooms in total in France and 200,000 rooms just under in total in the UK, but less than 100,000 in Germany. And yet the German hotel market is of comparable scale to both those markets. So I think the opportunities there is still significantly more fragmented. Um, but Whitbread does have a tough competitor on its hands in, in, in the shape of um, Accor, and Accor are not going to let that go lightly. But the one advantage I think Whitbread does have, it's still in the lease game, and Accor now is fully asset light and is out of the lease game. And in a lease orientated market like Germany, I think Whitbread may yet steal a march. But, 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 they're going to have to spend some cash. So they're giving back, of all this money they've got from Costa, they're giving back 500 million they've announced um, um, through a buyback. Um, but they've got around 2.2 billion left. Now, some of that will come back still but come on you know this is a growth industry you must think of something better to do than simply handing it back to shareholders I and mean, i think it's an absolute travesty if that's where we go to with whitbread if they hand this back to shareholders um i think it's going to sound the death knell for them ultimately and they will they will become a um, prey of somebody looking to get a, a good grip in the UK market. And this is their chance now to actually go out there and, and demonstrate that this is a growth industry and that this is they should be the flagship hospitality company for the UK. And so, well, indeed, and we look forward to their Capital Markets Day. I think it's their all capital, yes, whatever, strategy day thing. Um, I can't remember what they're calling it in February. Capital Markets That's the one, yeah, that's the one. The 13th, isn't it? Is it the 13th? Uh, I think it's the 13th, some, some yes. Time. Yes, just for yeah. Valentine's Day. Lucky for some. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, and um, I think one of the interesting things that we should see there is that by that time, the former Scandic CEO, Frank Fiskers, will be a non-exec on the board. So hopefully, of course, Frank has experience of expanding into Germany. Hopefully we'll see sir, see what he can add at that point. Mm, mm. No, absolutely. But but the fact remains, if they cannot do this simply through organic growth, they're just not going to do it, and they're going to be outgunned by Accor, who are already too far ahead. So they need to do a, a number of either smaller strategic acquisitions, or take out the likes of Motel One, or or some other smart clever moves um, there are opportunities there for them to buy um, we've listed them in the past in hotel analysts but they've just got to get on and do it and yeah they're going to pay for it because as soon as they walk in the door everyone's going to double their prices of course because if you've got a wallet the size of Whitbreads um, they know you you know you, you're going to have to spend the money um, but Whitbread are just going to have to bite down on the stick sell it to the shareholders and say we're going to become a dominant European hospitality company. Well, let's follow that up with talking about another company that was uh, aiming to be uh, completely dominant in selling all sorts of travel online, uh, Ryanair. But uh, they've, they've cut back a little bit on their plans, I believe. They have indeed, yes. They were going to be the Amazon of travel and now they're just the Ryanair of travel. Um, and we all know what that stands for. So, so, uh, so hurrah. Um, it turns out you can't... Um, move your brand on to becoming king of everything you could have to stay king of uh, king of flights in this case so they are still offering hotel rooms and they announced a partnership with sitemindr um giving them i think up to 400,000 properties at their disposal so if you go onto the ryanair 
um, flight site, you can still buy your hotel room and you get a nice discount on your future hotel flight. So it's not all bad. And as was pointed out when they first launched Ryanair Rooms, it's still a cheap route to market for um, uh, hotels. I think they were looking to charge commissions of under 10% at the time they were launching it. And cheap routes to market, always good, but not so much with your holidays. So, so long Amazon of travel. Mm, I think... Um Michael O'Leary, CEO of Ryanair, has discovered that um, it's a little bit more complicated e-commerce than it first appears. You often hear the um, CEOs outside of um, the digital space saying, oh, it's just a bunch of websites. Well, it's it's a little bit more sophisticated than that. Um, And the fact of the matter is that Ryanair has got a market cap of uh, 12.5% billion euros or there or thereabouts it's simply not big enough to make a splash in in this space um, it's suddenly discovering actually you've got to invest in the marketing you've got to invest in the technology and when you're up against the likes of booking holdings which is a market cap of 90 billion us dollars you're going to struggle um, and Ryanair when it was when it's selling its routes often you know uh, when I fly out of Stansted I've got a choice of Ryanair or or walking, um, or you know, trying a hot air balloon or whatever. Um, so, uh, and unless I want a long hike down to Heathrow or, uh, or equivalent, which you know, is just bonkers if it's uh, for a short haul flight. So yeah, I, I despite everything, I, I, you know, I could be a Ryanair um, frequent flyer. Um, but uh, and from from that point of view, marketing to a, uh, that sort of an audience is very different to marketing when you're in a fragmented space like the hotel sector, where customers have lots and lots of choices, and that choice in the digital age is getting wider and wider as people aren't just looking at hotels, they're looking at apartments, blah, blah, blah. And and I think the challenge here is you can't just transfer a business model which has worked in one sector, i.e. airlines, and think you're going to do the same and clean up in, in the hotel business. It ain't going to work. No, indeed. And I think one of the interesting things about Ryanair, of course, is that you use Ryanair because you're looking for a bargain and your mentality is, I'm going to put this trip together by using the cheapest flights, by using the cheapest th- that, this, that and the other. And presenting a package to somebody who's thinking that way, I presume, was not the easiest thing to do. OK, well, goodbye, Ryanair Hotels. Um, and hello, Marriott's new loyalty scheme. Or is it just a revised loyalty scheme with a new name? Catherine, I know you like this name. What's it called? <laughs> ah, yes, yes. As we had, Marriott moves into the Bonvoy age. There's so much joy to be had with this. Um, I'm not a millennial, so traditionally I speak all of the word when I come across a word. So you'll have no totes or a, or a maze or any other thing from me, I'm afraid. And um, much the same, I don't belong to the Marriott uh, loyalty programme myself, and so I won't be shortening the name of it when I check in. <clears throat> so lots of lots of terrible issues solved by my non-membrance, but everyone else is a member, it turns out. So it's this is bringing, bringing everyone together. Marriott rewards, Ritz-Carlton rewards, Starwood preferred guests, all together as one joyous slightly shortened family 120 million members Um, so yes it's interesting they felt the need to go in so hard on the branding for something which is a a loyalty program but that tells you all you need to know about how important this was this this program is um, the culmination of everything that Marriott wanted when it was buying Starwood um, apart from the data breach and uh, and here they are all together this is the the dream so they were already talking about how it's been um, even before they gave it a lovely new name how it's been driving um, driving bookings and bringing everyone together and hopefully onwards upwards 
cheaper. We all wait to see what happens with the Expedia negotiations. Hurrah, welcome Bond Boy. So is it more about trying to take the focus away from uh, getting a cheap uh, leisure break off the back of all your business travel? And is it is it trying to sort of uh, encourage people to think more about niche rewards? Mm, well, this is the thing, I think, in terms of the strategic piece here, in terms of what we you know, what, what, what's a loyalty scheme for? Um, and uh, I think w- what it has been for for the last couple of years has been about book direct. It's a it's a chance. This is the this is a fight back by the the hotel brands against the OTAs, um, but that hasn't been going terrifically well. Now there's a report out a week or so ago, but from Calibri Labs, um, they're looking at the U.S. industry and they looked at the period between January 2016 up until August 2018, and they were looking at you know what the share of each of these different channels. Um, took and brand.com did okay it went from 20% of overall bookings to 23% OTAs in this period went from 10% to 15% so the pace of growth in OTAs is significantly faster and uh, if you look overall in terms of the direct business that goes through digital channels if you lump in the GDSs which are 11% there's more go indirect than direct in, in the digital side which is a big worry for hoteliers because it's shifting from um, from a non-digital um, to a digital world. And for the first time, the US hotel sector looks like it's about to go. More than half of its bookings are going to be digital, so probably this year, um, certainly probably next year. So it's currently 49% at digital. Um, and and if, they're dominate, if they're dominating a declining sector, I think that's a big worry for them. Um, but I think they've got to think a little bit more strategically about what they're doing here. And we've been banging on about this for ages at Hotel Analyst and start saying, you know, are you in the retailing game or are you in the product branding game? And I think when you push them and push them and push them, they eventually fess up, yes, we're actually in the product branding game. And what they should be thinking about in terms of these loyalty schemes is actually enhancing the product branding game. Um, And I I think that that is what the, the loyalty schemes can really do here and stop worrying so much and fretting so much about this this retailing aspect it, it's a battle I think they're doomed to lose frankly um, they've got to re-engineer their business models I think most of them are thinking about this they're looking at what they're going to be doing going forward and they just don't want to admit it yet because they're going to have to restructure a lot of their management agreements a lot of their franchise agreements it, it's going to get quite messy I think over the next five to ten years as all this change flows through but the winners are going to be those that use um, their loyalty scheme however badly named it it might be to actually enhance um, guest satisfaction enhance guest experience um, as part of the stay part of the the booking um, um, there's so many opportunities here to to use this data and use this information productively um, around the product branding piece and that's why some sort of direct channel makes a lot of sense it doesn't make a lot of sense to try and pursue uh, a, a direct only um, approach I think you're they're doomed to lose that battle and they're just going to alienate their owners if they continue to go down this road that, Andrew. <laughs> and on that happy note we'll dive off to go and check our bonvoy points have transferred across um, and uh, we'll see you next time until then goodbye